This is Aldrin Sampia on Beyond the Headline. Ten minutes after five o'clock and it's time for the interview. Today we debate the NHI bill. Is it good for South Africa or was it simply designed to drive the private sector out of healthcare system as some organizations claim, including those who are heading to court to stop government from implementing the NHI Act? 0614-104-107. You can also drop me a tweet at Aldrin St. Pierre and our studio line is 086-000-2032. Russell Rensberg is the director of the Rural Health Advocacy Project. He is for the bill and will explain why exactly he is for the bill and then also joined by Dr. Anthea Jeffrey, who is the head of policy research at the Institute for Race Relations, who is against the bill in its current form. So last week, the National Assembly passed the National Health Insurance Bill. However, not everyone was pleased about it. The South African Institute of Race Relations, for instance, is of the view that the implementation of the NHI will result in the exodus of many health professionals because they believe that the NHI will destabilize the healthcare system rather than improve it. On the other hand, though, organizations like the Rural Health Advocacy Project strongly believe that the NHI will create a level playing field to ensure equitable access to quality health care for all South Africans. What's your view on it? 0614-104-107 and your tweets at Aldrin Simpier. Russell, good afternoon. And uh, Dr. Jeffrey, good afternoon to you as well. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Okay. Sorry, go ahead, Dr. Jeffries. (laughs) Okay, um, let's start off with uh, with the Dr. Jeffrey. Now that Russell has said that Dr. Jeffrey should go ahead, Dr. Jeffrey, no. just as 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 part of opening remarks, what is it about the bill that is problematic? There are very many issues, but let me start with the government's control over the money. We don't know quite how much the NHI is going to cost, but Dr. Zwede and Kizay said in 2019 that he didn't think $470 billion would be enough, that we'll probably need more. So it's a huge amount of money that's going to be placed under the control of the government. And we know that government control of money has not worked well in many spheres, that it, there's often been inefficiency in the payment of suppliers, and this is evident in the health sphere as well, where many people wait an inordinately long time to be paid for the goods that they have already supplied to the state. And the more that happens, the more those who are supposed to be providing medicines or taking care of maintenance in hospitals and clinics will not be paid by the government and won't be able to sustain their services. In addition, we know there's a huge risk of sorry, of corruption. Um, Dr. Mkita himself bowed out because of a corruption scandal. Uh, With the COVID-19 procurement, there was a great deal of corruption. Very often, prices are inflated and delivery is short. And the upshot is going to be that that government control does not make in any way for lower prices, but rather for losses through inefficiency, losses through corruption, and really a huge expense, too, from the vast bureaucracy that will be needed by the NHI to administer all the controls that it involves. Okay, let, let, let's let's start off there and uh, take it to um, to Russell. Russell, thank you once again for making time for us. So the point um, that uh, Dr. Jeffrey is raising here is that just because it's government control doesn't necessarily mean um, that it will be cheaper. And we've seen this in some cases where um, with this with the supply chain management as well 
where um, some products and services that are being procured are way above the industry or market averages? Well, I think it's a fair point. And I think it's probably one of the reasons why the bill needs to be introduced. You know, I think we have a, a, a government obviously gets over 1.7 trillion rand in tax revenue every year, right? And so I think they used to, they, they can deal with managing money. Corruption is, is an incredible risk. And it's a risk that can be managed by proper procurement management and proper procurement regulations, which are currently in the pipeline with the procurement amendment bill. You know, I think there's a lot of things in the PFMA that requires deeper reform, that requires a, a deeper look into it. But I think that on its own shouldn't be, uh, in my opinion, is not enough of a reason to address the broader problem that, the, that we're seeking to solve. And when we look as a rural health advocacy project at the NHI bill, our view is always, what does it mean for rural people, right? How can it improve rural health outcomes? Mm. You know, South Africa spends close to 20... So, sorry, Russell, before we move over to um, to the purpose of the bill and what the bill is trying to address, um, how do we address the issue of the risk of corruption? Look, I think in the first instance, now at the moment, we have kind of nine different provincial departments, all of them operating in, in, in different ways. And, you know, yeah, where, where there's weak government, there's a bigger, bigger incentive to abuse procurement regulations. You know, and I think with the NHI bill, we're moving that authority of purchasing away from provincial authorities and we're centralizing it into an NHI fund with an independent board that's ultimately responsible to parliament. You know, so in some ways we can probably mitigate corruption a little bit better. And I think there's a specific corruption mitigation unit planned for the NHI fund. So as it um, goes on to public sector financing, mm -hmm. I think here yeah, we have an opportunity to sort of learn the lessons over the last 30 years, understand what worked well and what didn't, you know, and make yeah. sure that we address that. Dr. Jeffrey, is that convincing? Dr. Jeffrey, is that convincing? No, it's not. Um, the trouble is that the government is, is just notoriously bad at, at halting corruption, that the procurement that the government will be responsible for will always be subject also to BEE preferences. And we know, unfortunately, that these have opened the door wide to a great deal of inflated pricing and wastage, so much so that when the uh, the Sondo uh, Commission began its work, one of its very first witnesses was the acting head of the public procurement in the state, uh, Willie Matabela who warned that 50% of the procurement in the state was tainted by fraud and inflated pricing. And he said that it's not just that you know you have a small markup, a contract which was sitting at 400 million will go to 200 million because the controls that are supposed to be applied under the Public Finance Management Act are not effectively applied. And at the moment, the only province which manages its health budget really efficiently is the Western Cape. And its health record is much better than that of the Eastern Cape, even though, as mm. I understand it, the Eastern Cape has more filled posts per capita. And it's an indication that mm. the main problem with the public service lies in, a, in an absence of proper management, accountability, and sufficient controls against corruption. Okay. And to say there's going to be a new unit to tackle it is just not enough.
Okay, 0614-104-107 in your tweets at Aldrin St. Pierre. You can also drop me a call on 086-0002032. What's your take on the NHI bill and what are some of the concerns that you think should be addressed? But also the point that we'll be dealing with now is the purpose behind the bill and why the bill has been introduced. And also remember that we have um, the... Uh, the SDGs, we speak about universal health care and uh, making sure um, that we expand universal universal health care so that everybody has access to quality health care irrespective of their class. 0614-104-107. You don't want to miss City Slickers. It's full of fun, adventure and challenges all the way. Yup, our City Slickers put their phones down and get out there into the real world. It's awesome. We're going. It's fun all the way. Oh, you got it. Catch City Slickers every Thursday at 4.30, only on S3. In partnership with SABC Education. Well done. You have managed to conquer your Monday. So... How about you reward yourself with our weekday movies? Sink into the couch with the family and catch What's Love Got to Do With It? Saturday Church, Jingle Bells and Throwback Christmas. Every Monday at 10pm only on SABC2. Let's have the conversation. WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Good day, Alden. Look, man, Captain. Alden, for me, I think everybody would love for NHI. Everybody don't want to pay high uh, private health insurance. Everybody want equal for everybody in this country. But Alden, look at our hospitals. We had a caller this morning on Kathy's show. There's no water at the clinic. Hospitals are falling apart, corruptions, top management is nowhere, quality. Can we not fix that first? What does the government want to do? They want to plaster with NHI. What's going to happen? Everybody's going to run to a private facility. It's going to bottleneck there again. Can we not fix our hospitals first? Please. Hello, Aldrin. I'm a medical doctor and just want to comment on the NHI discussion. There's been a lot of talk about the NHI aiming to give equal access to healthcare, which is a wonderful ideal. No one has addressed or answered the following question yet. And please, you must ask your panelists the question directly, and please, you must demand for them to have an answer to it. What will the level or quality of care be for the service rendered by the NHI? You can do a hip replacement surgery at a standard that was practiced in 1985, and you can do it at a standard practiced in the year 2023. So there's a massive difference between the quality of care that you can offer to patients. What will NHI be? Because if we give access to healthcare to everyone, it sounds fantastic. If the level of care is, the quality of that care is so low, then we actually give access to nothing. So please answer the question, what will the quality of care be? Will will we practice medicine at the standards of 1950 or 60 or will it be 2023's healthcare? Good afternoon Aldrin, it's Ngamo from Centurion. I am totally against the NHI. Um, The ANC has mismanaged 
all the funds in this country and has sent this country years backwards. I do not trust them with my health care. We are already paying through our noses for security. We live in security complexes. We take our kids to private schools. We pay for medical aid. And as much as it can be expensive, at least they deliver on what they promise to deliver in terms of the contract that we sign with them. I do not trust this government for what it's worth. Absolutely not, absolutely not. We are not there yet. We are far from being there and we cannot compare ourselves with countries like the UK. Let us catch a wake up, let us fix the basics first, fix this corrupt government and then we can talk. Okay, we're in conversation with Russell Rensberg, Director of the Rural Health Advocacy Project, as well as Dr. Anthea Jeffrey, Head of Policy Research at the Institute for Race Relations. What's your take on the NHI bill? Um, Russell, you just heard there some of the comments coming through, which I guess also speaks to the core of what the NHI bill actually envisages or envisions would become of the of the healthcare system. But the point that's raised there by the doctor as well is around the quality of that healthcare. What's your take on it? Hi, Russell. I was getting off mute. Okay, there we go. Sure. Yeah, Aldrin, I think those are very, very important questions, right? And I think part of what the NHI bill, in our opinion, you know, when you look at the actual bill, what's, a, what's there on paper, right? What it does, it seeks to do is it seeks to introduce a national, uh, national health insurance fund, right? That fund will be established as an independent entity, right, governed by an independent board, and will be responsible, or at least in the public sector point of view, a single payer for public health services. Under the provisions of the bill, they create or they talk about three different things. The first thing is that they sort of a strengthening of the district health system. Now, the district health system is, is really how South Africa is organized you know, where the country is divided into 52 districts. And within those districts is normally about four to five sub-districts. Each of the sub-districts have a care network, which includes a hospital and clinics. How healthcare is currently funded is money comes in from the National Review to the National Department of Health, which is responsible and has the legal obligation to ensure access to at least primary healthcare services to the entire population through both public and private. They have to regulate the private sector and they are directly involved in the provision of healthcare services in the public sector. At the moment, the provinces have the responsibility of both paying for healthcare services and delivering healthcare services. And sometimes that creates some inefficiencies. The result being is that the areas where, or 80, where 80% of the population access their healthcare services, which is district health services and in rural districts in particular, we don't receive sufficient funding because the bulk of the money is spent, more than 60% of the national health budget is spent on keeping together a very um, motley combination of, 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 of hospitals that are often poorly located, inefficiently run, and with very little accountability. Yeah. Okay. Do, Through the bill, what they do is they introduce separate costing units for each of those hospitals. They all get their own budgets. They all get responsible for the services that they have to deliver. And they all are then expected to have a level of accountability to the community that they currently don't have. You know, so I think in the first instance, the bill is about fixing the public system. Yeah. It is about reorganizing the public system so it's better orientated to deliver the care. 
It's not about destroying the private sector. It's not about getting rid of medical schemes in the short term, at least for the next 14 years. I think the status quo will remain. But I think the main principle of this bill is to reorganize public sector funding to set it up in such a manner that we can work towards yeah. a unified so, so based based on the on the pilots <clears throat> that have been conducted uh, russell are you convinced that the country is ready for the nhi no i don't think the country is ready for the nhi you know i think it's a sure. massive overhaul it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow we're going to wake up on monday and we're going to have the nhi i think the pilots that we had weren't pilots we didn't give money to those districts to organize and and develop their services and i think that was a flaw what we did through those pilots, and unfortunately, language is like a huge issue for us. They were not pilots. Mm-hmm. All we did was was invest in additional health system strengthening. Like they bought paternity ambulances. They brought in one or two new capacity. And a lot of that stuff was directed from national. And then eventually, we started off with nine pilots and we ended up with 40 pilots because in each province said, okay, this is also an NHI pilot district. Yeah. So we couldn't really assess the results. I understand that there are currently about seven pilots that have been approved at the National Health Council. And through these pilots, they will be properly run with those districts while I have access to the money. And we will be able over the next two to three years start mapping out what that would mean. But we're a long way off from being able to fully implement it. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey, one of the other points that have been raised also is that um, the likes of yourself, including Solidarity, is that you're trying to protect the interest of a minority that can actually afford medical aid, whereas at the core of the bill is actually trying to get all South Africans, including those who are poor, the same level of quality health care that your members enjoy. There are much better ways of taking care of the needs of the poor, which is a primary concern for the Institute of Race Relations and a key part of the reason why we oppose the NHI bill, because we do not believe it will be good for anyone, neither the poor nor those who at the moment are able to afford private medical aid. And the reason is because, partly the reason I've been talking about, you're going to have a lot of inefficiency and corruption, which means that medicines and maintenance and various other things won't be done Doctors may not be paid on time, etc. But beyond that, we have a huge problem in that 80% of, of the public health service, the, the hospitals and clinics that are monitored, monitored by the Office of Health Standards Compliance, at the moment do not get high enough scores even to qualify to take part in the NHI. So there will be a diminution in the, in the clinics and hospitals available to the public I think a number of health professionals will leave because they see it as such a destabilizing thing. There will be less health care available. And what will happen is that there'll be a tremendous demand that simply cannot be met. And what will happen in practice is that we'll, quality of care will go down to the lowest common denominator, just thinking of the point that was raised by, by the doctor that called in. And we could improve, we could level up rather than level mm. down if we did it totally differently. If we said the private sector works well, we want more people to have access to the private sector it will help take the burden off the public. So let's have low-cost medical schemes. At the moment, the government okay. won't allow those. Um, they would allow something 12, 15 million more people to gain access to medical aid and go to the private sector for their primary care. The government is not interested in doing that because it would reduce, excuse me, reduce the so-called need for the NHI. Similarly, if people can take out insurance, 
for primary health services and such insurance policies are available too. The government is intent on closing that down and taking that option away. And again, it's a very affordable way for people to gain access to the private sector. We could help yet more people gain access to the private sector if we combine that with mm. healthcare vouchers, where some of the wow. tax money that is so badly used in okay. the public sector mm. were to be made available to families. Okay, Dr. Dr. Jeffrey, unfortunately, we've run out of time. I'm going to give you 30 seconds just to give us closing remarks, and then we're going to go to Russell. Dr. Jeffrey, you can go ahead. 30 seconds, please. Empowered with healthcare vouchers, families could take out medical aid, and then they Mm. would have the the choice of private healthcare and public healthcare, both Mm. competing for their customers. The whole balance of power would change completely because they would become customers when public and private healthcare providers are trying to to uh, attract, which would help mm-hmm. to keep prices down and quality up okay. in a way that a government monopoly will never do. Okay, Russell, your closing remarks, 30 seconds, please. Well, the greatest respect, all those insurance products and, and low scheme, I've actually looked at them, are worth, aren't worth the money that you pay for them, right? And it's just the further fleecing of the poor. And I'm, I'm actually quite surprised with the crystal ball that the good doctor has that she could make assumptions about things that she couldn't possibly know. The reality is there's no measure to determine where where better quality of health is. On the Office of Health Standards Compliance, those were preliminary assessments. And I think nobody in their right minds would expect any of those hospitals to pass if they, given that they'd never been assessed. None, no private sector hospitals has been assessed. This is not a binary on whether we need private health care or public health care. At the end of the day, our country guarantees everybody the right to access health care services. The National Health Act allows for free healthcare services up to primary healthcare level. I think we have to have a system that works for the whole country. And this is not to say that people can't purchase the medical cover that they need in addition to their basic needs. But I think this whole notion that the country is incapable of doing anything because of incidences of corruption, which are a significant problem. Unfortunately, Russell, we've run out of time. Russell Rensberg, the director of the Rural Health Advocacy Project, and also Dr. Anthea Jeffrey, head of policy research at the Institute for Race Relations. It's two minutes after half past five.